Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, How to Have Power with Your Children, and it is part of the Parental Guidance Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Um, well, uh, let's get back into the parenting series today. And I'm going to title today's message, How to Have Power with Your Children. How to Have Power with Your Children. Um, you know, um, I talk a lot about my kids and grandkids, not because uh, we think uh, we're the only ones doing a good job, because a lot of you are doing a good job raising kids. And we have all these wonderful people uh, that we w- watch every day bring their kids here to the school. Some of them are working two jobs and three jobs even so they can afford a private Christian education. And um, uh, so we see a, a lot of parents who really care. And, uh, and I, believe, I believe everybody here this morning, you really care. You want to be a great parent. You know, uh, but, but, but uh, I, I know my kids and grandkids, so that's why I talk about them. And so one thing I love about my grandkids is I can... Uh, I'm talking specifically about the three that Christy and Dan have given me, is I can take them anywhere and they behave themselves. They're just amazing. I'm always the one who gets in trouble when I take them somewhere. You know, like when I send uh, Christy a picture of of Eden, we're out together, and I send her a picture of him with a penny in his nose. And I think it's hilarious. And she's like, why are you doing that? It could get hurt. It could go up his nose or Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's not disgusting. And uh, uh, one, day I, one day I have him out, and, uh, and I, I, I have Eden. I said, I want you to, we're going to do a video, and you give a report to your mom about how it's going. And he goes, without even any prompting or anything, he goes, Mom, I fell down the escalator, and I put my pants. <laughs> Eden's a comedian. So, power with your children means having influence with them. And power has given, been given a bad name these days. But it's wrong-headed. That's a wrong-headed idea. Power in the hands of the wisest, most compassionate, caring people who have our best interest at heart is the only way forward, people. If Christ doesn't use his power to rule over us, we're lost. If political leaders and the government doesn't use their power over us and with us to protect us from evil, we'll be overrun by evil. If parents don't use their power to protect and direct and shape those young lives, the world, the flesh, and the devil will do it for them. So power is not a bad thing. The word meekness actually means Power under control. So we're not talking about abusive power. We're not talking about power that abuses and hurts and maims. But we're talking about power that protects and shapes beautifully. So so working to have power with your children is sensible. It's it's loving. It's biblical. Just listen to the scripture. In Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 
Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I love that how he, he protects both. He, he covers the obedience, but also he kind of cautions parents and says, don't embitter your children. Don't, don't harass them. Don't be difficult to obey. Be, easy, be as easy as possible to obey. I love this phrase, and I paraphrased it. Everybody wins when parents lead well. Kids lead, win, parents win. In fact, don't you notice something in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers do not, there again, fathers do not exasperate your children, instead of bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And Paul was writing this, it was very countercultural to write that in that day. Because children were viewed as property. Parents could even put their child to death and they would not be prosecuted for it in the day and age that Paul wrote that. And so, but don't you notice what he says? He says, obey your parents and the Lord, honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life. Now, I always thought that just meant going well for the child. But actually, it means to go well for both the child and the parent. The promise to go well with you and enjoy a long life is a promise to children for their well-being, and it's also a promise to parents for their well-being and their enjoyment of life. In Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, he says, don't let your children do anything that make you dislike them. That's rule number five, and that is a good rule. Don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. So how to have... How to have power with your children is about both you and them having a more enjoyable and productive life. It's about after they have disconnected from your control, they still are subjected to your influence. They still are influenced by your life. Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise, wise child brings joy to a father, and a foolish child brings grief to a mother. So today, I want to give you five strategies for having more power with your children. Five strategies for having more influence with your children. Five strategies for having more and better results with your children. Like, like I know that you all want to do, because I hear it from you all the time, and I see it. I see how much you care about your children, and that's such an amazing thing. So what's the first thing we want to talk about today? The first thing that I would bring to your mind is reward obedience, punish defiance. Now, this, this is affirmed for us in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18, which says, Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. This isn't just all about you as a parent. This certainly isn't about you being the boss. This isn't about you, 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 you never getting, uh, about you having your way. It's not that at all. In fact, most of you parents would say that most of the time, the easiest first response when parenting a child is not to challenge them. The easiest first response is to ignore defiance. The easiest first response is to let them have their way, right? That usually means in the short term, for the next few hours, I'm going to have a lot more peace if I leave my kid alone than if I just interrupt something that they are enjoying doing that's actually bad for them and bad for, the, bad for their siblings, and bad for the home, and bad for the world around them. It takes a parent who really deeply loves and really deeply cares to challenge a strong-willed little boy or girl. 
right? So this isn't about being the boss. So what is it, Pastor? This is about teaching your child a proper response to, number one, their Heavenly Father. Jesus said of children, this is an amazing verse of Scripture. It says, they're angels, children. Their angels are always in the presence of the Heavenly Father. I don't even know if I can get my brain around that. That Jesus taught us that every child has their own personal angel. Our children in general, maybe, maybe it's not every personal child is a personal angel. Maybe there's just an army of angels that stand before the Heavenly Father representing your children. Uh, that just might make you go home today and parent a little, little more responsibly, a little different, knowing that your children's, your children's lives are being especially monitored by the Heavenly Father. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I'm surprised we don't preach about that or talk about that more. So number one, you, you, you discipline your child and you reward obedience and punish defiance because of their response to the Heavenly Father. But number two, you reward obedience and you punish defiance because of the realities of life itself. Because life itself punishes you and rewards you according to your behavior. You show up for late show up late for work too many times and you will lose your job. If you don't perform according to expectations, you will hurt you financially. If you perform well at your job, it will, re- it will reward you economically. Now, you've got to differentiate between poor performance and defiance. You've got to just differentiate between careless, kids are careless, kids break things, they forget things, they They forget their backpack. They forget to bring their homework home. They do those things, and those things are very annoying, and you do need to to try to train them out of those behaviors that are just annoying and difficult, right? But that's not the same as defiance. Defiance is when a child sets his will, and you say no, and they say yes. You say yes, and they say no. When they make it clear, it's their way or the highway. Then you have defiance on your hand. You've got to deal with that seriously as a parent. And keep in mind there's a big difference between running a prison camp and running a training camp. The home is not a prison camp. The home is a training camp. It's a training camp for adulthood. So think of that word training. Think of that word training. It's a very important word for raising children. You're not there to just be a punisher. And and some people are just punishers. You know what I mean? Some people are just punishers. Some people just go around punishing everybody all day. I I really don't like to be around punishers. No, I'm not talking about just being a punisher. I'm talking about being a trainer. Mark Gunger, uh, whose organization is called Laugh Your Way to Happy Marriage, tells about a time when their little girl wouldn't get, every Sunday morning was a fight to get her dressed for church. They would fight it. The dress was too tight. The, the shoes wouldn't fit. They weren't the right shoes. You didn't want to go to church wearing that and whatever. And they just had these huge, huge chaos every Sunday morning. They were always late for church because they couldn't get the little girl dressed. You know, it's amazing. You, you, you think you're tough and you're big and you're six foot two and you weigh 250 pounds and a little three-year-old can dominate your life. Because you have enough ethics about you that you're not going to punch them out. And 
<laughs> you don't want to go to jail. <laughs> but so, you know what he and his wife did? They talked about it. What are we going to do? And, and by the way, I, I do, I know it's not popular with some people, but I believe it under the right conditions, being careful, not beating. I believe that spanking small children is appropriate. I said, there, there, I said it. I said it. But, don't, but, but that's not the only tool in your arsenal, and you just can't keep spanking sometimes. You, you have to be creative. So here's what they did. They said, we're going to have Sunday morning get dressed for church training. So during the week, when they didn't have the pressure, it was evening, they didn't have to go anywhere, no pressure to be anywhere, they told the little girl, said, we're going to pretend we're going to church. We're going to play like we're going to church. And they practiced dressing her for church until she became joyful and happy to, go to, to get dressed for church, and Sunday morning became a joy. I heard of another mother. Oh, so you, you got to keep your promises. And, and, and a lot of parents blow it because they promise the child they're going to do stuff they're never going to do. They'll say, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know? And, and you're not going to do that, right? So this one woman, the child kept banging on the kitchen cabinets. And she said, stop banging on the kitchen cabinets. Kept banging on. You've all had a, if everybody's had a kid, you had them do this. They, I, I don't know what kind of pleasure they get out of making you crazy, but they just keep doing it. So she keeps, kid keeps banging on the, on the cabinets, and finally she said, if you do it one more time, I'm going to throw you out the window. <laughs> now the kid's, kid's like, I want to see this. So he bangs on it again. She opens the window, picks the little child up, throws him out the window. <laughs> His eyes were like, that would... Well, she knew, already checked out, there was a big snowbank right underneath the window. And she also knew that that little boy would never forget the day his mother told him she was going to give him a consequence, and she gave him the consequence. She said she was going to give him. It's so critical that you announce the consequences and you give them the consequence that you announced. Papa Matson said amen, and he says amen, it's true, it's gospel. Okay, let's, let's quit talking about discipline for a minute. Let's talk about fun. You want to you be an influence of your children? You can't, just, you can't just be a disciplinarian. You need to have fun with your kids. Be fun. Have fun. Make fun a value. Be silly. Be crazy. When the Old Testament prophet Zechariah saw the city of Jerusalem in eternity, which most of you would say is heaven, he said, here's what he saw, the streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. That's what he said in Zechariah chapter two, 8, verse 5. Most of you think of heaven, you just think we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb forever, or we're going to be, all be around the throne just with our arms raised to God. And maybe the adults will, but the kids are going to be playing in the streets. I like that. When the prodigal son returned, the father commanded, kill the fattened calf and let's celebrate. Later, when the prodigal's brother came close to the house, the Bible says he heard yelling and screaming and he heard, he heard cursing because the son had spent half of their money. No, the Bible says he heard music and dancing. 
Proverbs 15, 13 says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. You grow up in a home where nobody laughs and nobody's silly and nobody's crazy. It will crush your spirit. Fun is a biblical value. Did you know that? In fact, researchers, you know, if, if you want to find out what the Bible said for two and three and four thousand years ago that scientists are just kind of figuring out after they spend millions of dollars they could save all their money and just read the bible but we got to spend all this tax money right so do all this research and here's what researchers have found out in the last few years they found out that roughhousing and rough and tumble play is rooted in a primary play circuit in our children's brains it aids the development of the prefrontal cortex and drives socialization. It is essential to proper brain development, and that's partly why it's so much fun. It's intrinsic pleasure that they found out because it's significant for our socio-biological function. Allowing this play circuit to fire in kids is critical, they say. Children are hardwired for it, they say. So to speak, they're hardwired for it because activating the play circuit leads to positive outcomes for the rest of their life. And the main guy who developed this was a guy named John Penskep, and he, he did all these experiments with rats, with little rats. And he found out that rats, little rats, love to play. And they will challenge, a little rat will challenge an older rat. And they even found out if the, if the little rat, if the older rat doesn't let the little rat win, one-third of the time, the little rat will be uninterested in playing anymore and stop playing. They found all this stuff out. They found out, they found out that if you deprive male rats, especially male rats, of opportunities for rough-and-tumble play, they presented systems of, symptoms of ADHD, and they needed Ritalin. Research has found, especially boys, not just boys, but that boys especially need rough and tumble play. It has the same effect on them as it does rats. It makes them more distractible, more isolated, more addictive, and more prone to violence. Katie Hurley, though, a child adolescent psychotherapist out in California, she's author of a book called No More Mean Girls, The Secret to Raising Strong, Confident, and Compassionate Girls, says girls need physical play also because it gives them confidence. Be biblical. And wrestle with your kids. One day, I, 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 I'd heard this research about three years ago. And so the grandkids were coming over. I think it was Christmas or, or, or Thanksgiving. They came over and I decided to experiment with, again with Eden. And I said, I'm going to wrestle with him and see how long he will do it. And he loves to, he loves to play fight. So we started play fighting in the living room, and I would pin him down, and then I would get up, and he'd say, get on top of me again, Pop. Three hours. The family didn't know I was doing an experiment. Three hours, and guess who quit? Guess who gave up? Me. He wore me out, and he was not done. He was ready to go more. He enjoyed it so much. I'm telling you, being a great parent isn't all laying down the law. It's having a good time in life. And I, my mother used to be 
Especially my, my dad was always off at work, but my mother would make sure we got to go have fun. I mean, some days we'd get bored and she'd say, Let, let's go down. And she didn't have a car. So we'd, we'd ride a, we'd catch a bus in McKinney, Texas and go the 50 miles or so to Fort Worth, Texas to the Leonard Brothers store. It was like a super Target Walmart all put together. We didn't have that kind of stuff back in those days. And just to break up the monotony of life. Third rule. Are we doing okay so far? You got two? You got two? You got two down? Got three to go. Make a few rules and stick with them. Proverbs 20.11 says, Even a child is known by his actions, by whether his conduct is pure and right. You should have some family rules. And your family rules can be a little different than mine. You should have some family rules. Maybe it's we have dinner three times a week. I, I heard of one family that... Um, at mealtime, everyone had to stand behind their chair until mom sat down, and that's how they showed mom respect. Now, now, you're probably thinking that's a little weird, but you don't get it. Family rules and rituals do something very important to the mind of a young person. They do something very important when you have uh, repeated rules. This is what our family does. On Sunday morning, our family goes to church. That's what we do. Brian Stevenson is a very famous social justice attorney. He created an organization called Equal, uh, e the Equal Justice Initiative. And it's about uh, poor people who have unfair prison sentences and sometimes even unfair sentences like death penalty, and he goes and tries to get them out of prison. He's done an amazing job. His TED Talk on the subject was, I think, had six or seven million views. And uh, he's just, he's a great guy. He traces his success back to his grandmother who raised him. And he traces his success back to one particular conversation that he had with her one day. When she called him in and she said, Brian, I uh, have been noticing you and I want you to know you're special. And um, I want to tell you three things, three rules I want you to keep. Number one, I want you to take care of your mother. Number two, I want you to always do the right thing, even when it's hard. And number three, I want you to never drink alcohol. He's nine years old, so he wasn't like, oh, I can't do the last one. You know, he wasn't, no. no. Oh, okay. It, it was kind of a meaningless thing. When he was 14 years of age, his, he and his brother and some other people were in the woods, and they offered him beer. And he said, no. And his brother immediately said, oh, it's because of that talk that mama had with you, right? Don't you know that mama tells everybody they're special? Here's what he said in his TED Talk. He said, I am 52. And to this day, I've never had a drop of alcohol. I don't say that because it's virtuous but because there's an extraordinary power in identity. We can say things to the world around us that they don't yet believe and get them to do things they don't think they can do. See, he understood something that some parents today don't understand. His grandmother understood something, that being like everybody else is not what makes you feel special. What makes you feel special is to have rules that everybody else doesn't have. What makes you feel, what gives you, makes you special is to give you an identity. 
And some of us are terrified at giving our kids an identity that's different than the neighbors or different than the other kids at school or different than the people down the street or the people we watch on television. But your kids are craving an identity that will set them apart. It's almost without exception. Another thing Brian understood, we act before we understand. That's how we learn. We don't learn by understanding first. We learn by acting first. Jay and Mare started potty training yesterday, not for them, but for Ellie. You think she understands? No, she doesn't understand. It'll be way down the road before she understands. I love that. Some of you that watch football like I do, you, you under, you've probably seen that little, little clip where they show Bill Parcells, former coach of the Manuel Patriots, when he was with the New York Giants, and he's on the sidelines, they're winning the championship, and the players are there in front of him, and he says to them, this is why you lift all those weights. While you're doing it, it's hurting. You're not understanding it. Afterward, afterward you understand. So parents have some rules. Rules that promote safety. Rules that promote morality. Rules that develop healthy habits. Rules that promote social skills. You know, we used to have that rule. You said to an old, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I'm not saying we can bring all those rules back, but have some, have some standards for their lives. Rules that prepare kids for the real world. A study once disclosed that if mom and dad attend church regularly, 70% of their, 2% of their children remain faithful to church. If only dad, 55%. If only mom, 15%. If neither attended regularly, only 6% remained faithful. The statistics speak for themselves. The example of parents and adults is more important than all the efforts of youth group, children's church, or the church itself. You are king and queen, mom and dad. Number four. I wish I had some time on this. I don't. But it's so important. Hold up relationships over experiences. Hold up relationships over experiences. Andy Stanley said, today most of our children are experience rich, but relationship poor. He goes on to say, in our culture, parents can feel tremendous pressure to give their kids the right package of experiences, to help them get ahead in life. We go to great lengths to give them the best education possible, but it doesn't stop there. We arrange our schedules around a myriad of practices, performances, games, and gatherings in an effort to create the ultimate experience for our children. As society advances, the list of new activities expands. Forty years ago, little baseball, little league baseball stood unchallenged as the sport of choice for young children. Today's parents must choose between soccer, karate, hockey, gymnastics, swim, swimming, lacrosse, and other programs that offer advanced leagues with the dream of Olympic gold and a jump start on life. Over the years, these programs have grown in their sophistication and appeal. I watch parents absolutely killing themselves to make sure their kids' lives are filled with all the right community activities, but putting almost no effort in making sure their kids know the right people. I'm telling you, relationships trump experiences. 
I love these two verses in the Living Bible. Psalms chapter 16, verse 3. I want the company of godly men and women in the land. They are the true nobility. And I love even Psalms 101 even better. 101 verse 4 says, I will not tolerate anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I will not permit conceit and pride. I will make the godly of the land my heroes and invite them to my home. Only those who are truly good shall be my servants. Behind my desk at the office is a picture of W.B. McCutcheon, my father, Bailey McCutcheon, and Earl J. Rogers, Pastor Earl J. Rogers. Earl J. Rogers pastored, coincidentally, he pastored our church in McKinney, Texas for 32 years. And Mr. Mr. Rogers, Brother Rogers, as we called him, was a great man. And I used to look forward. My dad would fix these uh, elaborate Mexican meals. And he would invite Earl J. Rogers. And Earl J. Rogers called his wife Madam Queen. Earl, Earl J. Rogers and Madam Queen would come over and eat Mexican food at my house. And I remember as a little boy, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, looking. When a guy pastors that long, it's kind of like me. It's the only pastor you know, right? <laughs> and I would look forward as a little boy to the Rogers coming over to my home. I didn't know that that wasn't cool. I want to see this old guy come over to my home, but I loved it. I loved to hear what they would talk about. I loved to get to know him. And he would come to my dad's restaurant, and he would sit at the counter, and he would drink coffee and talk to my father. And I would be in that conversation. He would pat me on the head and say nice things about me. You know, one Sunday night, I went to church. He preached the gospel, and I went down and got saved. And years later, I wrote a song about Pastor Rogers, and it goes kind of like this. It's a long, long way from here to Collin County. I guess that's true in many, many ways. But I cannot forget that dear old preacher who told me Jesus was the only way. He preached the word that night. I accepted Jesus Christ. He met me at the altar and we prayed, God, thank you for the man who was faithful to the plans you made. He never had his own television show. He never, uh, he, I, I never heard his voice on the radio, but he opened up the church doors the night that I got saved. God, thank you for the man who was faithful to the plans you made. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Dad, for introducing me to Earl J. Rogers. They played that song at his funeral, by the way. Are you making sure great people are in your life? Are you so busy going to soccer, lacrosse, hockey, music, dance, that you don't have time to have any relationships. Please bring this into balance. Now, I'm not against organized uh, kids' sports either. Finally, number five. This goes without saying, but it's so important. Practice what you preach. Jesus talked about these Pharisees. And if anything kids don't like, it's a Pharisee. He said, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees said in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you to do. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. It's kind of like, uh, you probably saw that cartoon, Snoopy on the doghouse. Snoopy's on the doghouse one time, and he's got a bunch of little uh, birds around him. And he announces to them he's going to teach them to fly. And he starts flapping his ears and jumps off the uh, the doghouse and lands right on his head. And he gets up, brushes himself off, and says, 
Do as I say, not as I do. That may work with a, a cartoon character trying to teach birds how to fly. It doesn't work in parenting. Do what you say. You can know a lot of scripture and have the gift to teach, but what is more important is to practice what you preach. Do you preach against bullying, yet you bully your spouse because almost everything has to go your way? Do, do you preach obedience while you rebel against every authority, the pastor's authority, the, the, your employee's authority, the police officer, the school teacher's do you preach obedience or do you preach trusting Christ while acting anxious and terrified about everything? Do you preach the world needs more tolerance while you're impatient in tolerance of almost every interruption and every inconvenience? Do you preach love while you exude resentment and unforgiveness toward people who've wronged you? Do you preach consistency and faithfulness but use every excuse to miss church or community group? Let me give you in close with the most powerful reason that you need to understand the importance of parental influence. I believe that all truth, just like Skoltsenitsyn, I believe, said that all evil, evil, the line for evil runs through the human heart. I believe that all truth runs through the center of the cross where Jesus was crucified. The cross to which we owe our eternal salvation owes its power to an obedient son. Because God had power with his son, the son trusted his heavenly parent more than the high performance pressure world that was around him that said, if you want to succeed, you got to please us. Jesus wasn't forced to go to the cross, but he knew that his heavenly father had provided them the happiest home he could ever hope to have. He knew the greatest reward, the best track record of consistency, the deepest love and the best promise of a bright future was with his father. Jesus' father had more, parent, more, 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 more parental power with him than the screaming mob, the weak disciples the Jewish religious leaders, and the entire Roman Empire. You and I owe everything to a parent who had power with his child. Who knows how you could change the world if you have children, that you become a godly person and you have power with them. Let's stand. I I know I've covered a lot of ground here this morning, a lot of territory. And it's unfair that we would take this many principles and try to pack them into 35 minutes. Because every single one of them could be your homework for the next several months. And you probably heard one thing that you say, you know, I need to work on that. I think if I were sitting out there listening to you like you've been listening to me, I might feel a little overwhelmed. I'd be saying, God, I need help. And you know what? That's the right response. That's exactly what I want you to do. Is say, God, I can't do this without your help. So I'm going to invite you to come up here and ask for help. Those of you who feel like, you know, I need to say a prayer. 
because I want to be a great parent. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great mom. Several of you are doing it by yourself. You don't have a spouse beside you. You're mom and dad. Some of you probably are dad and mom. God has a special grace for you. And there's some of you here today that you've, uh, you probably feel like you failed. Well, God has special grace for you too. You know the story of the prodigal son is about parents who failed. That's what that story is about. And that story teaches me that there's grace when we fail. And there's a second chance when we fail. And that story can still have a happy ending. Come on down here. Come on down. You can, you can actually walk down while I'm talking. It's okay. <laughs> we don't have a rule against that. <laughs> oh, God's going to do some cool things here, man. I'm so excited. God's going to do some cool things. Some of you probably coming up here and some of you still back there, you're like, you kind of gotten off the parenting horse and you need to get back on and ride because God has a plan, man. God has a plan. And, and some of you just want to do a better job. So come on up here. But by the way, you, you might want prayer for something else. Maybe you're here today and you're, just, you're sick in your body. Your doctor gave you a bad report this week or um, a, a relationship's not going great or things are happening at your job. I don't know. You, you can come up here too. You don't have to come just related to this subject because we're here to pray with you. And I want to say a prayer with you uh, in just a minute. I'll tell you what, when I finish praying, I'm going to dismiss everyone. If you want to stay up here and spend a little more time with God, then feel free to do that. And the communion is here also. You can come up and receive communion. And uh, you can come up while I'm praying and, you, and, and take communion back to your seat. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to stay up here and pray, we want you to do that. And if, you're, if you want a fellowship, we want you to do that. By all means, that's also spiritual. So please t- take your fellowship to the back back there when I'm done praying when I dismiss you. All right? Father, I pray for the parents here today that just saying, this is a big job and and I don't want to blow it. I want to do a a great job. I want to be the parent. I I want to wake up someday and and I want to see that my kids are following Christ. I want to see that my kids are, are succeeding in life. That they're Lord Jesus, and I, don't, I want to stop being pressured by the world around me that says you got to do this and you got to do these 10 things. And a lot of it's just foolishness and a lot of it's not even working, God. I want to listen to your word. And God, you got to give me power, though. You got to give me strength, God. But bring unity to marriages, Lord. Bring unity when, when, where, there, where there's two people. Bring the, the couples that are, that are praying today, bring them to unity. Husbands and wives come into complete unity. Lord, nothing probably hurts a home like more like division, like one parent who wants to be super lenient and wants to, one wants to be super disciplined. Help them to come together and find middle ground so the kids get a unified front. And so they're together on what the rules are and what the goals are. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, if someone here has damaged their child, either through neglect or, or worse, I pray, God, they'll be able to repair the damage they've done. Help them to go and ask forgiveness and pour grace into where damage has been. And I pray, just like I pray for those who are here today who were damaged by their own parents. And so parenting is so difficult because they never had that model. Bless them today and help them. We pray all of this in the mighty and awesome and wonderful name of Jesus. God bless you. 
be dismissed and enjoy the rest of your day and go have some fun, all right? (laughs) 